Welcome to the Spin Tune Sports Show. I'm one of your hosts, Al Bielsi. With me is my co-host, Beric Dondarian. We're here to shoot the shit and talk some sports, but first, I have to tell you we're brought to you by Dave Gettleman's Wild Ride. Up, down, forwards, backwards, in a convoluted web, you'll never know which way you're going next. You stole my, you stole what I was going to say. Oh, I said I, you were going to call me Shafe, and I was going to be like, no, call me Barrett. You just stole my only opening. I thought you wanted me to call you no, Barrett No, I wanted to. You tell you, you said Shafe, and I say, no, call me Beric Dondarian, because that is an all-time name. Beric uh, Dondarian is an all-time name. Well, but we'll you can, get, going we'll, forward, you we'll can... We'll get it right next time. Going forward, you can absolutely just make up <laughs> make up a name and surprise me, and then I can rate you on how... Okay. You li- how much I like that character okay. and that name in general. Sorry, I thought you said call me Barrick no, instead of I, Shafe. Not I, I just, want to be... Uh, it's my fault. I was just saying I I would like to be called Barrick Dondarian, and I'm going to tell you that during the, the episode. I see. You jumped the gun, but I'm okay with it. I mean, you can call me Barrick Dondarian. Basically, any situation, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Clearly, I stopped listening halfway through <laughs> the crucial instructions. That's most people I talk to. just They get the first sentence, and they just drain, drain me out. Like most people, what? Just, they just, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah, you got it. Exactly, Al. You don't have to do this to me now. Um, okay, make sure you check out the spintune.com. We have full write-ups on the Jets and Giants drafts this week. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Um, the Jets and Dri- Giants drafts this week. It's going to happen every time. I'm not going to say the sentence again. No, you're not. Um, we're going to start off with a quick Game of Thrones recap, in case um, you couldn't figure out that we're both Thrones fans, yes. considering he wants to be called Beric Dondarian. So before we get started... Spoilers. We, we will have... Full spoilers for last night's episode of the Battle of Winterfell coming up in just a short second. If you're not ready to watch or listen to that yet because you haven't watched yet, we're going to have all the minutes listed in the, the bio. You can skip to the part where we get to the stuff that's not spoilerific. In three, two, one. Spoilers now. Go. Um, first, before we get into depth, did you like it or did you not like episode three? Um, I liked it. Okay. I, I, I would say I loved it up mm-hmm. until the end. Okay. My issue, what I'll say the biggest part of my issue here... Oh, did someone on the Mets just get up? Oh, no. Space is loaded. Okay. Um, my issue with it is that this episode was super hyped for so long. Yeah. Um, rightfully so, because it seems like it should be a big event. And yeah. it was a big event. It was. But the problem mm-hmm. is, I think that ultimately the show has written itself into kind of a corner recently. Yeah. And they didn't have a good way to get out of that corner. And this was the best that they can do, and it wasn't good enough for what was this super hype should have been the biggest best thing ever. Yeah. But it was still good. Yeah. It just wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Right. I, I, th- I for me, this show has gotten this last se- probably season seven as well. It's gotten so far from what originally was, where they kind of get scared on making like these big like they don't want the audience to get like basically like. They're, they're, going, again, they're going for the safe bet It's every like time. Disney and like Hollywood now, and it's because they got past the book. So I've kind of expected this. I think they did a good, a good job on like making you care about lesser characters. Like I'm, I was a huge Barrick fan before last night. I'm a huge Lord of Light guy. A guy. No one knows that. I like it. I have like subtext where I'm like Lord of Light. Is, Lord of Light is the way to go. And last night was the best thing that could have happened as Lord of Light. I did see something because I read some re- few recaps just to kind of get like a feel for what everyone else thought. Like I have my own thoughts on the episode and yeah. there's been some things that I've seen that other people wrote that I was like, you know what? I, I missed that. I kind of like what you, your point is on that. And other stuff where I'm like, mm, I feel like you, maybe you missed the point. That's yeah. not like the whole thing with the, the darkness issue. Yeah. Whether or not you like it, it was not like they fucked up. It was done intentionally. Right, they it wanted it to be difficult for you to see what's going on to right. amp up the tension. Right. And I think in some scenes it was a good choice and in some scenes less so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's 
been clear that the writing of the show has suffered the more and more they've diverged from the books. Right. Although I will say that for as bad as it got at times in episode, in season like four, five, six, especially five was the one that struggled. Um, in se- seven and eight, where they've tried to like steer the ship back, it's definitely improved from the low points. Yeah. But it's never gonna be the same again. Yeah. Those first three seasons were a moment because they were like ninety five percent accurate to what had happened. Right. And that was why the writing on the show was the strongest, and it was also when. George R. R. Martin was the most directly yeah, involved. Yeah, he's not really involved anymore, is he? Not at all, yeah, basically, he, for the last two seasons, he, I think, he, episode, or season six, the last time he yeah, wrote he, an episode. And you can tell. You can de- yeah. desperately tell. Like, he definitely gave them the cliff notes, and it, the show has felt for a while now like reading an essay where someone right. just read the cliff right. notes. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I knew kind of going in that there probably wasn't going to be a big death. Like, people are like, this guy's going to die, this guy's... And I was just like... There's gonna be like the minor characters that you, Theon's. I knew Theon was gonna die. Like, oh, definitely. He, he had his. Well, the two biggest characters that died, you knew were going to die. Right. Theon and Jorah. Right. And um, you know, I think they did a good job with Lyanna Mormont. Like that was a good death. Yep. Um, they great, got great death. That, yeah, like you got involved. Like that was a minor character. But it was it, she was a fan favorite. Right. For as little as she was, but she was a fan. favorite. They made it seem like, oh, this is a heartbreaking death and it's not one of the main people we really really care about like yeah. obviously he has and I, I'm a Beric fan um, and, and obviously we've known for a long time he was going to die yes and yeah I'm coming back so many times he has a mission and then you know, that, that f- final realization is to save Arya that was phenomenal and his his death where he's propped up like basically like Jesus on the cross like they like that was definitely sim- symbol sizz- symbolism there of him <laughs> propped up <laughs> you I struggled with that as much as I did with giant strength yeah these beers man these go straight to my head um, so that was a great scene. I love that. Um, I'm trying to think. The I up- love, I love the way that they had Melisandre walk out and die. That was the right yeah, way to handle yeah. that, where like she finally served her purpose. The yeah. same thing with Beric, the yeah. two, the two acolytes of the, That's, of the Lord of Light. I'm a big Lord of Light guy. I've been it for seasons. We had a rough patch there when Melisandre burned a kid alive. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? Maybe. Uh, that's the thing that she couldn't come back from, Maybe. which is why it's right that she died. Right. And, I, and I like that she did it with Davos following her, because like... He, even though he let her go, you knew yeah. whether it be John, whether it be Davos, whoever, or whether it be Arya, someone was going to finish it, and she wasn't going to fight back. Yeah. Which is why I kind of liked that he was watching her, and I think there was even a modicum of respect watching her. Yeah. Okay, you you know you're wrong. You're yeah. not going to try and like come back. Like you know there's no redemption, even though you tried to clear your ledger. I actually saw something on the the topic of being a fan of the Lord of Light. I saw something in one of the things I was reading today about the episode yesterday. Um, where they were basically saying, listen, you can have your different thoughts on the different gods, old and new, and this and that. The Lord of Light is the only one who showed up in any way, shape, or form. And that's been my point. Whether or not it's even a god, those people... There's something behind it. There's something there. Exactly, and that was my point, is I've had people like, you support the Lord of Light when she she killed a kid? And I'm like, well, no, because she's shown... They're bringing Barrett back every seven minutes, it seems like. (laughs) He's dying, and he's just back. And... The other thing was the hound when he's out with Beric and he's like looking to the flames and the hound sees in the flames. I'm like, obviously there's something behind it because the hound who's not into this kind of stuff is looking to the flames and seeing the future, seeing what it needs to be done. Yeah. So that to me was like... Well, the other thing is it's it wasn't the Lord of Light that killed Shireen. It was the hubris of Melisandre right. that killed it. We have bad representation sometimes, the Lord of Light. Which was the whole idea... I mean, it is the whole idea of looking analogous to religion in in real life world we're not going to get into a religion debate yeah, no. but the people who adhere to the good in those messages are typically good people but the people who are zealots 
like Melisandre, are the ones who wreak destruction right. in that belief. So, uh, yeah, that was a great episode for them. Um, the, again, the only thing I really didn't love was the ending. And I just didn't... What about it specifically? I just didn't like that... I thought there was... One, there was going to be more about the Night King and kind of what his his passion, or not his passion, but what was behind it all. Just the, the destruction for the sake of destruction I thought was kind of lazy. Yeah, I'm torn on that because... I, that And that's the specifics of what I'm saying. I think they wrote themselves into a corner. I think there's too much to, to the story. That, that they can't they, do it. Rather than half-ass it, they yeah. just said, you know, we're just going to build it up to spectacle. People, yeah. And we're gonna kill, we're going to kill them off then because to give it its due justice will take us two more seasons that we don't have time for. Yeah, type that's of deal. true. That's definitely true. I just didn't, I didn't like... Because it felt like this is not where that story was supposed to go. No, exactly. I agree. I agree. So they just said, we'll give you the coolest ending to this we can, knowing that we've ultimately failed the storyline. And I liked, you know, Arya, that was a badass thing with Arya jumping out. I just didn't love that was the way he died. And the thing is, it was consistent enough because they they basically served it to you on a platter last week when she said, I've seen many faces right. of death. Yeah. I'm curious to see what this one looks right. like. And the, and the him or her getting the dagger from, from Bran, I think, like, was it... When it was, was last it? season. Last season. It was at the end he, of last season. That was, you know, well told and you know brought. Although, she, there, I, I, I have to go back and. and I thought she it. gave it to Sansa. She gave it to Sansa. No, she gave a dragon glass deck. I, I, and I that was back. one of the times where like the, the lighting would have definitely helped. Was problematic. I actually did like it in certain issues, but that one was a problem because as, as soon as she stabbed, I was like, didn't she give the dagger to Sansa? And I thought the same thing, and I went back, and Sansa is in. The crypt and says like she has a dragon glass. Yeah. Well, she doesn't say anything, but you see her pull it out. I think she says dragon glass or something. She okay. says something. Or does she mouth? It? Oh, Wait. she mouths something Dra- to Tyrion. Yeah. But you can't. I think you don't actually hear what yeah, she says. I think so. Yeah, that scene should have been done better, just because I did think she gave it away as well. Yeah. Um, but it's you know full circle with you know that that was a knife hired. You know. Also, that's specifically that that spot right in front of the tree has so much meaning. Yeah. Because it's the time where, and again, internally consistent, it's where. She sneaks up on John in the first season. Yep. And how'd you, you know, how'd you get here? How'd you get yeah. here? It's where Bran gave her the dagger last yeah. season. Right. It's where so many of the important meetings have happened. Yeah. And for people, you know, for Dion to get his redemption, Theon to get his redemption yeah. there, super important. Yeah. Theon, that that I've never been a Theon guy. I was I said in season episode one, I was so over Theon that when he rescued Yara, Yara just killed him. Like I'm tired of your well, wild card <laughs> ass. I can't deal with you. Knife to the throat. I'm moving on. The problem with Theon is. I wanted to like Theon early in the show, yeah. and he just does everything he can in his power to make you hate him. Yeah, great arc though. I just that ending. It was. It ended up being a good arc. I don't know if you can ever fully redeem yourself for all the bad he did, but if anyone was going to be able to redeem being one of the worst, weakest characters ever, he came the yeah. closest. Thing I mean, the had. brand, you know, basically giving him the okay of like, you know, you're home. You're a you're a, a Stark. It was what he needed to hear. He, and you could tell... Or like, what he couldn't hear when yeah. he was younger. And, you know, he was overwhelmed. And it was... People were making fun of him just running straight at the, the Night King. But that's what... That was great... You know, symbolism, again, I said it the first time this time. Um, <laughs> you know, him always running away. Yeah. And this time he's like, you know what? I'm going to lose, but I'm running straight at it. He finally so ran that, towards yeah. danger instead of running away. And it was a absurd slow-mo because he ran for like... 40 yards. <laughs> I, I have to say, it was really cool and like stirring that the music they played over it. Yeah. I actually thought it might have been a cover at something because I was like, there's something that feels familiar about this, but yeah. ultimately it wasn't. I guess it was an original song. Yeah. It was kick ass for that whole last like eight minutes the music of the movie was or whatever. phenomenal last night. But was, especially that like yeah. that whole last sequence. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because me and my brother were watching, and while Theon's about to start ch- charging alone with the spear, I was like, 
oh man, this is like the Charge of the Light Brigade here. Yeah. And then, well, it was a pause for a second, and I was like, actually, I'm pretty sure the Light Brigade had better chances, yeah. and my brother started cracking zero, up. Zero <laughs> percent chance the other was I was like, I was like, I was like, he's gonna get completely swatted here. Although, how funny would that have been if he just killed the Night King there? Like, a 40-yard sprint, and the Night King just like, took him for granted, and just like, let him stab him, and he was like, Theon killed the Night King. Well, that was, well, the, the other thing I was thinking, the problem with it was, it was ultimately a dragonglass spear, because yeah. I was wondering, like, how great it would have been if he charged and stabbed him, and he just did that smile again, and just yeah. like, Disappear. snapped his fucking neck, and yeah. then just pulled the spear out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I liked the episode, I didn't, I didn't love episode, the first episode, I liked the second one more so. This one, I was I was really into this one. Oh, I actually really liked the first one, and I liked the second one well enough. This one was good, not great. It was it. The thing is, it had hyped it up so much, and it just was not capable. Yeah. Of, no matter hype. what they did at this point, it just wasn't capable of living up to the hype. Yeah. I was a little surprised that a couple more people didn't die. That's what my again my biggest complaint is. They're getting like they went to a wedding. And more people die. Yeah. They're, they're fighting the dead. Although the one and thing like I seven, will, five people die. The one dead. thing I will say, because me and my brother were talking about it last night, because he had the same thing where he, but like, he was like actively mad that enough people didn't die. And, yeah. I, and I was like, I will say, remember, there's three more episodes. Yeah. There's still more opportunity oh, for people to for die. For sure. I just don't. I don't. I there is going to be more death. I just don't think it's going to be what people are expecting. Of like, this guy's dead. This guy. I think there's going to be a lot of people alive at the end. I will say this does seem like there will be more. I thought for sure Grey Worm was going to have to die. I, I don't that was a shocking one that he survived. Um, Brienne surviving, I thought, was a shock because she had her big moment the episode before of her being knighted. I still think she's a, a prime candidate to die, I, and and I think that when he when she goes, Tormund also has to go. Mm-hmm. Even though Tormund's been one of my favorite characters, yeah. both book and show, for a long ass time. Yeah, I mean, I've I started reading the book, so I'm I'm on. Book oh, you never read them? I I read the first one years ago. I started rereading them. I'm on book three, hmm. um, so I'm kind of through the story in, in the book sense um but uh barrack barrack was a big death for me in the terms of the show really not that big and i'm a huge dolores ed fan oh he and, was also one of my favorite and in the book also, he's so it's, much it's, better it's, than it's, it's dolores it's not dolores he's not a woman Do- dolores Ed. <laughs> dolores umbridge dolores, dolores umbridge <laughs> again al these beers going straight to my head yes yeah, so uh, that half of a four percent beer five yes. percent beer that might be um yeah but him him dying saving sam was just like god sam can't you do something well again one you, time again you knew it was gonna happen with the conversation at the end of last week's episode where he says um it's just down to us three now yeah and it's like oh and also he says and now our watch begins yeah and the second he died me and my brother cheers it's like and now watch, his watch has ended yeah yeah, hit. I, I was especially in the books him, he was always one of my favorite in the characters. books he's way like he actually has like great lines, lines. and yes. in the book he, or in the movie or show he's just kind of he has some of the good ones, yeah. including they pulled one or two from the book directly. But yeah, he's just kind of another guy. Though. He has great lines, like Pip and Grant. Like he's just kind of one of those other guys yeah. in, the, in the show. So, um, for me, those two were big deaths in terms of the actual show. Really, not that big. No, um, but well, I'm sure we'll get some more. Maybe yeah. not as many as we expected. Um, but uh, I think next week will definitely be a pause too before a big finale of the last two episodes. Yeah, next week I'm expecting just one the recovery of. Of Winterfell, but I would say there might be just some conflict between John and Danny. Could be. Who just again? Where, where were they? <laughs> they just didn't really do anything. You know, I was talking about that with a couple of people on like through like a group message right before we got on, and I was like, honestly, the two of them were just fucking around the yeah. whole episode. 
and drastic misuse of the dragons. Probably <laughs> both of them deserved to die. Like not like they like not that like they should die per se, but like just by how stupid they yeah. were, they deserved. To die. Yeah. First of all, Danny almost lost Drogon because she just forgot she was in the middle of the biggest battle yeah. of all time. Yeah. She's just chilling on the ground with yeah. like while being swarmed by undead. Yes. That was yeah. That was just. She was yeah. She completely forgot. She she's just staring. There like uh, there's like forty of them on the, the dragon, and then she realizes, yeah. oh shit, I gotta get out of here. And good thing that they just he's like, just get off. I'm flying out of here. <laughs> I, so I I'll deal with you later. I'm gonna save myself. Also, I was a little worried that Regal died. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's again that was too dark. I don't know what. It, well, because well, no, the problem is he goes and like drags himself away, and then you never see him again. Right. But if you watch in the trailer for next week. They yeah. show one shot of two dragons crisscrossing in the sky. Okay. Um, but the thing is, the first couple of scenes that they sh- they only show one at a time, but there's one quick second where you see two of them. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's weird that they left that up in the air that you either didn't see that he was alive or dead, right. considering Drogon crawls back to her when she's mourning right. Jorah. Right. But um, at least Rhaegal finally got his moment to do something, right. where he almost snapped the fucking head off of uh, Viserion's corpse yeah. and, like, tore his whole jaw off. Yeah. Which I thought was cool that they kept that up where... Later, when it's blowing the blue flames, you see it popping out of the holes in its yeah, neck. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was good. That was, I think, good. Like, I didn't really notice that until you you pointed it out. I remember, now I was like, oh yeah, I did notice that they were kind of just There's something seemed off. Yeah, right? it was. I was like, this they, they had ninety three million. They can't fix this. Like now it makes sense why they did it. And John John tried to scream it to death. Yeah, not John John for this. You know, he's been prepping for this battle for basically five seasons. Yeah, and he just did not bring it. I mean, he did at times, but other times no, he, he let it down. Yeah, like he... Well, like, when he's, when he's stalking the Night King and he gets surrounded, yeah. he brought it in that scene. Yeah, okay, that was just a movie scene where they're, I'm going to fight you one at a time. There's a thousand of you, I'm going to fight you one at a time. That was, again, I I was a little bit disappointed with that scene just because it's like, you're surrounded by a thousand and you're just going to get out of this? That, I thought, was a little bit too much. Um, but, J- John, you've been preparing for this for years. And this is what you bring? You scream at a dragon. You <laughs> well, go face to face with a dragon. The, the great part is he's like like hiding, like trying to figure out how to go, and he decides, okay, now's my moment to charge, and it just turns and looks at him, and it's like <laughs> like silent for a second, he's just staring, and I just go, I immediately regret my decision. <laughs> it's um I, I that scene gave me a reminder of a movie I've actually never seen, but just a poster. I can't Garden State. Oh, the Zach Braff movie? Yeah, where they're staying on top of something screaming. screaming yes. That's what it reminded me of. A little bit. And you just stay... I, I've never seen that movie. I've just seen that poster. Good, good movie. You would like it. And I just saw that... And I just thought of that scene where they're just like screaming on top of something. I was like, that is literally what John decided to do as to fight a dragon. Well, the, the, <laughs> what my, my cousin sent me was... Uh, like, he just decided he was going to scream it to death. And then he sent me the Adam West when he's sitting in his office in, in Family Guy. And Peter's running down the street screaming. And he hears the screaming. He goes... Oh, so you want a screaming match, huh? And he opens the window and he's just going, ah, out into the window. Yeah, that that was an interesting tactic by John. Um, anything else before we move on to the No, nah, I think we did a lot of thrones there. Okay, it was a good amount. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll probably keep you posted with as this comes down. This is one of our favorite shows, so we'll yeah. probably give you a few minutes each week, although this was more than a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so moving on to a Jets recap. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on the... Let's start in reverse order. Oh, Give me a grade on the Jets draft. Ooh, I would say overall the Jets draft would be a C plus or B minus. I'd probably lean B minus. It's funny because I kind of largely felt pretty negative about it, but ultimately I gave it a B in my in my roundup of the thing, just because 
if everything turns out right, they got two top 15 players in this draft. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Quinn, Quinn Williams was, that's the good pick. That's a good pick. That's the number one player on most people's boards. Number get, two worst case. Yeah. So that's a good pick. Again, I didn't think it was a position really of need. It definitely wasn't a position um, of need. And I said, you know, if you're taking the best place, you know, best player available, the rest of your picks you need to address cornerback, center, um, maybe wide receiver, and they really didn't do that. Well, and the other screaming need was Edge. Edge, which, which they, they did, did, but he's a guy that had a lot of red flags. I like that pick. Um, That's the right type of pick to be making. In the third in round, time. I'm okay with third that. Third round, crying need. This is a, a distressed asset where this is a guy who, if everything turns out great, then he's going to be one of the steals of the draft. Yeah. And if it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you too bad. Because I do think he can at least be a functional player. The, the thing is, like, I don't think he's, like, a bad dude. He's not been, to my knowledge, he hasn't been, like, arrested or anything like no. that. Um, I think he's just immature. Yeah. Um, and they have the right room to get that fixed. Yeah. Like, guys like Jamal Adams, honestly, Quinnen Williams, um, CJ Mosley... Steve McClendon, those guys are going to whip his ass into shape. Greg yeah. Williams is going to whip his ass into shape. And that's he didn't seem when I, when I saw his you know off the field that did not scream Greg Williams guy to me. Well, uh, yes and no. I, the thing is, I think he'll come in day one, and Greg Williams will say, "Listen, I'm going to." I don't think he's going to say it. He's going to scream it. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, he'll scream it on the field, but in the <laughs> office, I think he'll say it. Yeah. Um, the first time he'll say it. Yeah. Uh, I think what he'll say is, "Listen, you got a lot to prove." You've said that you know that you have a lot to prove. I'm starting off. I'm only going to give you as much as you prove to me you're worth. You can handle, which means he's just going to be playing third downs early on. They're right. just going to send him straight. He goes, and it's going to be if you prove me you're worth it, then I'll start elevating you to a full time player, but not a moment before. And he'll either sh- he'll either shape up and he'll do it, or he won't. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't think it's a guy who doesn't love football because he's he's actually proven that he he does like it a decent amount because he started off his college career as like a defensive tackle. Yeah. He was like 280 pounds, dropped 40 pounds to go out onto the edge and has been a terror for the last two years. No, I, I think that's that's a pick I like in the third round. Um, McCagnan usually frustrates me because he takes such raw players usually. This guy is actually and fairly not, refined. Yeah, and he's really not that, so I wasn't an issue. The tackle, he took... I don't know, 10 picks after or whatever it was? 15 uh, well, picks. it was at the end of the yeah, round. Yeah, maybe 20 like, picks after? It was it was about 30, because Polite was like the fourth pick, and and, um, and Adoga was like the the 29th Ninth. pick or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so the that kind of pick I usually don't like, because, again, he looks like a guy that could be really good, but he... The one thing I saw, the thing is, I didn't love him as a prospect, because he, he's a smidge undersized for a tackle. Yeah. Um, And I, I, I've watched him play a few times, and I never thought, like, oh, wow, that's a great tackle, but... Um, by PFF grades last year, he had he's, the second highest pass blocking grade. But the things I saw on him were that he's very raw. He's going to take at least a year to develop. And I don't think he, I, I don't, don't think he is that raw. Actually, is from a technique standpoint because he's been a multi year starter. I, the only thing I've seen on him is he's not a guy that you're going to he's going to play much. And 2020, he might be ready to be like a, a starter. Well, the thing is, I know that we have Beecham and Shell. That's why so he's not going to be a starter there, day one. But it seemed like it was more of a. He might not be ready. It's definitely a developmental pick, but it's more from the perspective of, well, for one thing, it seems Brandon Shell's knee injury wasn't nearly as bad as but, they yeah, thought. Yeah, they said it wasn't that bad. He was practicing already a couple weeks ago, right. which I thought he wasn't going to be able to suit up at all until August. Um, so between him and Beecham, they're both passable starting offensive tackles. Yeah. So I don't expect him to challenge them for a role this year. 
but both of them are free agents this year. Yeah, be- and at least one of them will be walking. Beecham's like thirty or thirty-one once he leaves, so he's he's probably done after this year. But and the interesting thing is, Beecham is apparently the most consistent com- yeah. pro comp. That's what I've seen as well. Um, but for me, McCagnan always takes like in the first two, you know, one, two, and three rounds. I want guys that are like proven, more less, you know, higher floors, mm-hmm. lower ceilings. He he's not really that. He usually doesn't go that route. In the first round, he does. Yeah. The yeah. only the only guy who wasn't true of was Darren Lee. But if you think about the other, the other four years... He's taken the best. He's taken the best guy, right. and he's always drafted young. It's right. been young, high-floor, impact players from, from blue-chip programs. Right. It's, but there was, there was guys that were, like, proven and are college guys. There were, you know, the Chase uh, from Michigan. What the yeah. That he, was the guy I wanted to draft. And that was another guy that just, like, pr- produced in college... Like that's a guy I want in the third round, mm-hmm. um, not a guy that's like, hey, he might project. He's you know he's raw. He might be good in a couple of years. That's for you know five, se- six, seven rounds for me. So I didn't love that pick. I actually liked the player, just not in the third round. I think there were still guys on the board. I was like, you mean Adoga? Yeah, yeah. I, well, the thing is, they actually swapped and moved up a spot, and that's what also annoyed me because uh, McGovern was picked. Like three picks ahead of that. It was a few more, but it wasn't that far. I, it, I think it was four. Uh, I thought it was something like and, eight to ten. And like it was, it was basically said after the draft, yeah, a guy that we really liked was picked right before. So we decided this is another guy we like. We're going to move up one pick. If you had that thought process, go like the same price probably would have been taken. You yeah. Moved, like, well, uh, you gave except, up a except, fifth or something. Well, except no, they gave up a seventh. Seventh. They they gave up an additional pick to move up one. Like you could have done that to move up. Four. Well, he traded back twice in the fourth round to get himself an additional fifth pick in a decent spot. Yeah. Um, I think that he really wanted to get additional picks. He ended up with the same number of picks, yeah. although he tr- basically swapped. Uh, it was like fifteen spots in the fourth round to move out of the seventh and into the fifth, which yeah. is a significant move up. Yeah. It's ultimately a decent job. Although I didn't love. I'm confused. Because I was very sure they were going to move Darren Lee for some sort of price, whether it be part of a package to move up in the draft or yeah. just for an outright pick or as part of some sort of player-for-player player swap like the Calvin Pryor for Demara Davis trade a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they held on to him. And I still think that he looked like he was on a, a decent development path last year before he got suspended. But I think the suspension, like from what I've heard, McCagnon is like furious with him, like yeah. dead-to-me type of furious. Um and then they draft Blake Cashman. So how many fucking inside linebackers yeah. are you going to have when you have C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson and Darren Lee and now Blake Cashman? And I understand, you know, strength up the middle of a defense, but it's getting a little ridiculous between money and draft resources poured into that position yeah. for a position that's ultimately diminishing slightly in value. Yeah. I do think he's, I mean, I, some people loved him in the draft analyst community. He's supposed. I mean, he's a try-hard guy. He's a, like a high-character guy that you want. He's, he'll probably be a special teams ace at minimum. And we had great special teams for once last year, and we let a lot of guys walk. So I understand why they they wanted to replenish that stock. But we have we have so many crying needs that we really only addressed one of exactly. at edge. I, I'm all for you. I, I was screaming like Elton Jenkins went higher than I thought, but Eric McCoy fell. Right. And he was picked a couple of picks before we right. picked Polite. I think it was the like the last pick or one of the last picks in the third or the second round. The Patriot or not the Patriots, the Packers uh, drafted McCoy. Yeah. And I was like, man, you could have moved up five spots and gotten that guy, right. and he would start day one because I don't like Jonathan Harrison's a great backup. Yeah. In the interior line, I have a hot take. John John Toth is going to be the starter by the end of the season. It's possible. I mean, Harrison's had injury issues in the past. He's they signed him to a reserve thing. If, He's got as much a chance as anyone I will to dis- be a backup. Put a disclaimer on that: if it's Harrison and Toth, I think Toth's going to beat him out five, six weeks into the season. 
I think he comes in for injury or, or dramatic struggle. I mean, Harrison will be the guy they want. I, I think agree with that. But, but I'm I, saying I think Toth, if it's those two, Toth will, I think, hot take, he'll be the starter. Well, I just think in, the, the, in the interior of the line, Winters has had significant injury issues. Osemele was hurt last year. And Harrison has had a couple of, nothing major, I don't think, but he's had some injury issues and just isn't that good. Right. He isn't 16-game starter good. Right. So between those three positions, it's entirely possible Toth plays significant snaps, whether and, or not he's a quote-unquote starter. Right. Toth and people, I mean, I know Toth because he, just because he went to UK, but he was a third-round, fourth-round guy in his draft year, killed it in the senior bowl, had an awful combine, and then he hurt his back, and he just fell off. Yeah, because he was undrafted. We yeah, he was undrafted. The practice squad last year. He was undrafted, but he had a... Like herniated disc in his back, back, and people just like you're off our board. So he well, it's hard to come back from a, that sort of back injury, especially as a as yeah, lineman. And, all your leverage goes through your core. But like then that. he did go to the Eagles, and the Eagles are known for having a great offensive line. And he was on their. I mean, they, they thought he was good enough to hey, we're gonna keep you on the practice squad. So I and if he's good enough for the Eagles practice squad, he's definitely good enough for ours. And I think. There's certain teams with certain positions where you just trust them, and the Eagles identifying offensive talent and more importantly developing offensive talent yeah. uh, for offensive, offensive line. line talent. They've been very good right. in the last. And that's years. where I was like, oh, he's not. He's the Eagles like him. All right, the Jets can get him, and I think he's still getting back to what he was. And I think he's more of the third to fourth round grade over the undrafted guy. So if I don't think Jonathan Harrison's going to be very good, and I could see John John Toth coming in and doing really well in run blocking, he's still. Not great in pass blocking, but um, I think he could pass Harrison. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. I don't have high expectations for Harrison. Neither do I. Um, I don't have high expectations for Toth, but it just wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being relevant at some point, or yeah. he could end up being cut. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but they, it's not like they're deep at the interior line as backups. I mean, now they're deep at tackle because um, Adoga, if, if you're drafting a guy like that, like he scored fairly well, he should be able to hold up somewhat as a as a starter if he has to step in for an injured. Yeah. Shell or Beecham, he won't step in for I don't think for um, ineffectiveness. Cause I think yeah. those guys are both solid players. Right. Um, but it, feel, it just felt like a luxury pick that that they couldn't like. That's the type of pick you make when you're in year one of an administration, and Mike McCagney's in year five of an administration. Where if they don't make a substantial improvement on the field this year, he should be fired. Yeah. Just like he should have honestly been fired before this season. I still don't understand how he's got a job. Yeah, it's yeah he he didn't address the needs he needed to as a guy that's. My job, or at least not enough of them. Yes. Like I said, polite. I think even if he's not a full-time player, I think he'll be an impact player this year. I think he's a guy who, even if he's only playing fifty percent of the snaps, could right. have eight or nine sacks. First two picks, I I, I liked. Yes, the rest. I and that's exact. Like, well, the thing that con- that concerns me with it is, you can take that swing on polite, but it felt like there was so many other risks. The rest of the draft, like you have to go safer. Right. Like Cashman has had three shoulder surgeries, two on one and of the, the same shoulder. The DB plus, plus one. Austin has had two back-to-back season-ending knee surgeries on the, on the same knee. Yeah. He's played five games in the last two seasons. Yeah, that that to me, there was other guys you could be like, this is a safer route. Like, it's entirely possible that those two guys give us nothing, just yeah. solely because of injuries. Like, yeah. I think if, if Cashman's healthy, I think he'll be a contributor, even if it's only in special teams. Like, yeah. Austin could be Dex McDougal. He could do literally nothing. Or the two cornerbacks that he took in 2017, Clark and, uh, and Jones, who've not seen the field as defensive players yet. Right. Um, so I, I thought those are way too risky of a pick for a guy who should not be comfortable in his job. Right. I agree. No, I agree. That's why I thought it was, I didn't think it was a great draft. I think the first two picks were really good. Yeah. But the rest, I didn't think that he did what he needed to do. And I'm honestly getting sick and tired of the whole, we almost traded 
for this guy. We almost traded for that guy. We almost traded in the draft thing. Yeah. Because you could assemble an all-star team of the guys that we almost have acquired <laughs> right. in the McKagan era. Right. He isn't necessarily very good at his job, but he's excellent at keeping it. Yeah. He is really good at Sometimes working the Sometimes that's more game. important now. Well, in the NFL, <laughs> it's often more important. <laughs> um, the one guy we haven't talked about was Trayvon Wesco. Uh, tight yeah. End. Um, it's a name that I knew. I like. I knew where he played for. Like, kind of like the profile of whatever player, but it's not a guy I watched much to have a strong opinion on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw the Brian Baldinger breakdown. I did. I saw. So he was the fourth round. Yes, it was. Uh, we had traded down, so he was like because we had a pick early. He was like the nineteenth pick in the fourth round. That to me is another guy that I would have liked. I think I like. Him. I would have liked him with the Cashman pick, and I would have liked him later. And it's just because he's a blocking tight end who has a little bit of you know pass catching you know potential. You yeah. really get to utilize it. Uh, people are describing him as like a pit bull, and he's you know just a great blocking tight end. That, which that, is, that is the one. That is the one thing that I don't think you can dispute. He is going to be a great blocker, but I just don't know you prioritize that in the fourth and round that's my in a point. really deep tight end class. I liked you know some of the picks I liked. I just didn't like where they were, and that was one of them. I think in the fifth I mean, or sixth just... round, he's you know probably a much better pick than the fourth because there's still guys. Um, we'll talk about the Giants, but they took who's the cornerback, Julian Love in the fourth, right? Yep. That's although, but I think that would have before, been would have been before our. But pick, still, like, like those were right, guys. It was, it was within a pick or two of us. Those guys are in the fourth round. I like Love, and I like him a lot at yeah. that value, actually. Which in, is good. We'll, I think our... we'll, we'll go to the Giants now with that. Yeah, um, but yeah, just to put a bow on the on the Jets thing as we're about to do that. Um, I I like Wesco the player. I like that they identified that they need another tight end. Yeah. It was something that I talked about in my mock my seven round mock for the Jets uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I just don't necessarily love the player at that spot. Although I do get that he compliments well what they already have. Right. Um, but I thought there was some solid, like, actual receiving contributors at tight end that we could have gotten in middle rounds that right. we kind of passed up. Agreed. Um, but moving on to the Giants, um, do, do you want to start with Julian Love or do it the same way? <laughs> um, start with a grade? Yeah, I'll start with a grade. Uh, I'm going to go... I'll go... B minus for them, so I think it's I think it's very close to the Jets. I think they did a lot better in the later rounds, and I'm kind of flipping on Daniel Jones. Not in the sense that I think he's going to be great, but the just overwhelming hate of him just can't be this at, like it's everybody's hating him. And I'm like he's just not that bad. He can't possibly be that bad. Where people are saying this is like the worst first round pick, first six overall pick of all time. I'm not. I refuse to think that is possible. But he can be. I, he can be. His History. There are so many six six overall picks. I don't think he's going to be as bad as people are saying. I think he if he was taken at seventeen, people would not be this upset. Not this upset, but they'd still be upset. No, because he would be the um, he would be quarterback third taken, and I don't think that many people would have been. I think there would be some people upset with it, but every single person hates this, and I just don't think he's he. But the thing is, but the he thing was is, a first. A first-round quarterback. No, most people didn't. They just thought that he was going to be one. Yes. There's a but, difference between being one and being worthy of one. But that that means that people... There are some people that think he's going to be taken in the first round. Whether you think... I th- think he's a first-round quarterback or I think he's going to be in the first round means somebody likes him. Yes. People thought he's one of the Patriots at 32. If the Patriots love him, I'm going to say, you know what? Maybe, I, maybe he's going to be something. Again, I don't like him at 6. If he's at 17, I really don't have an issue with it. I think there's two arguments with Daniel Jones. Is one, is he going to be good? The second argument is, should they take him at six? I'm I don't I'm not pro, I'm not 100 correct or have a thought on is he going to be good? I really don't know him that well. I've only seen a couple of games. I do don't I don't think he should have been taken at six at 17. I really don't have that big of an issue with it. Well, I will say the value perspective is 
probably the biggest issue. That's my issue with Because it. Dave Gettleman has proven time and time again, both with Carolina and with the Giants now, that he doesn't understand how to work the draft board. Um, both because he doesn't understand how to extract surplus value by trading down because he has literally never done it. And two, even his trade up from the second round to get DeAndre Baker, he gave up a premium to only move up like five spots. Yeah. Like he gave up like a big premium to move up five spots for a pick that's ultimately not that valuable. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I, I also just don't like that pick very much. Yeah. Because um, he literally had his pick in the field of cornerbacks. Um, and he took John Dre Baker as the first cornerback off the board. And there's a lot of questions about him and his mental makeup in the same way that we had about like a guy like Polite, where it's just like he's rubs people the wrong way yeah. and he's immature. I don't think that was an egregious pick though. Like there was people that thought he was the best cornerback. It was just there was a lot of like there were some three who thought guys that, there that was, were like kind there of was interchangeable. Some who was from a talent perspective and from a, a schematic fit, he does fit the Betcher model of he's a press man corner. Right. Like that's what James Betcher needs as a defensive coordinator of the Giants. But there are other guys who also can do that who don't have the character red flag. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think that he was ever arrested or anything. It's just like. From what I heard throughout the draft process, he fell big time from the end of the season till now in the minds of evaluators saying that he just interviewed really badly. Yeah. Um, and that, that some of his, like, that he didn't jive well with his coaching staff at Georgia, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you heard stuff like that earlier than you did with Polite, even. Right. Um, but getting back to the Jones thing, yeah, you're right. If you take him at 17, which, and I have a big problem with Dave Gettleman just honestly outright lying, saying, I know for a fact that two teams were. Listen, you can say I was concerned that people were doing it, but I know for a fact it was immediately and vociferously debunked. By who? By Diana Rossini and other reporters. Yeah, but what? Because she asked the guy, the, the teams. The teams are not going to say, "Yeah, we really want to." They're going to back their guys. I don't that that post draft debunking to me is not factual at all. I don't know when it comes out like that. It typically tends to be fairly. I don't. I. Once you have your guy, there's a 0% chance to be like, oh yeah, Daniel Jones was there. But it wasn't, taking it wasn't Bruce Allen or Dan Snyder on the record. I, I don't, I think You're right, if one of them came out and said on the record, I don't you're right, think that doesn't have much meaning. Post-draft stuff is thrown out the window on what guys were thinking. They have their guys, they're just going to back them. And what we had thought is out the window. We're well, but even before it. the draft actually started, she was she was the embed in Washington because she will... used to be covering them. And she said, there's a faction inside pushing for Daniel Jones, but Daniel Snyder will only take... Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I think in those reports, it's hard to get the truth. I, I but that was before the draft. I know, but e- even the smoke screens, the people are saying different things. There's conflicting. But that things. was exactly what ended up happening. I okay. <laughs> I'm saying that. Th- I, for, for first off, I I do think he's there at 17. I don't think there was another team, but I'm not going to say 100 percent fact. There's no chance. But that what he I'm was. what I'm saying is, I have a problem with Dave Gilman saying I know for a fact. I, I I'm not going to. He talks too him. much. I'm I'm not going to kill him for that for eh. saying he's not he's. Like that, he's just he's trying to, you know, give credibility to his pick. He might think that there was going to happen. I'm not going to say that's definitely not the case because I don't know. He probably is just saying that because he wants credibility on why he picked him at six. Sure. And I have no problem. But with the him thing doing is, that. but the thing is, you can do that by just saying, it is our incredibly strong conviction that he was the best quarterback in the draft, and we were happy to take him at six. If I'm, you say that, even though I disagree with you, I can't. I think blame you for I having th- that. Feeling. I think he's getting killed regardless of what he said on that. Sure, but it's a different conversation, slightly. But okay. the bigger issue is, I don't think that he's a very good quarterback. That's a different conversation. And, and I will say that, listen, I'm not a pro scout. Um, I've watched a lot of players a lot of positions. I feel like I have a stronger feel for some positions than other. With quarterbacks, there's been guys who I've liked who've been good and, and bad. There's been guys who I haven't liked very much who've been good and bad. But the few instances of like that I can think of where a guy who they said was going to draft very high 
um, where I felt, man, that is not a good quarterback. I don't think I've been wrong on any of them. I, I have no idea. Um, well, I can tell you one. I laughed out loud when EJ Manuel was drafted by the Bills, and he was horrendous. Yeah. Um, there have been a couple other... I guess the jury is technically still out, but I don't think I'm wrong in when I've crushed Josh Allen so far. Um, he's not a very good passer. Uh, I, I don't know if you're wrong, but there are people that think Josh Allen is much better than they expected. There were a lot of people that were killing Josh Allen, and then people were like, he's, you know, he's not that bad. He's more accurate than we thought. He's better quarterback than we thought. I, I, he, I mean, he still didn't have a very good completion percentage. Not that that's the be-all and yeah, end-all. Yeah, that's not. He still didn't top 250 yards passing. I think you ask Bills fans, are they happy with Josh Allen? I think a lot of them say yes. Well, that's there's many things unpacked in that that we're not going to deal with. But regardless, um, yeah, I still don't think that he's proven that he's significant. I mean, was he marginally better than he was? It, sure, that I, that I thought he was going to be. Sure, but I think only marginally better. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he has the ability to ascend to the point of being a preferred starter in the league. Um, and it's the same problem. Well, the thing is, at least you can make the argument with Josh Allen because he had elite physical tools. Um, Daniel Jones doesn't. Yeah. His arm is not particularly strong, whereas Josh Allen's might be the strongest we've seen in quite some time. Some people have hyperwildly said it's the strongest ever, and I, oh, I can't it, say they're right or wrong. Oh, it is, baby. <laughs> it's that certainly thing, up there. That thing's a rocket. It, it sure is. Um, uh, but the point is, Jones doesn't definitely doesn't no. have that, and he doesn't have the pedigree of success, like actual on the field success, where like you know you have the guy who is like, okay, he didn't do that much successfully, but we thought he had a bad situation, but he was a great talent like Allen, or you have a guy who mediocre physical talents, but there was a ton of winning, and he showed some of the things that you want to see. I don't think he had either of those things. I, I again, I haven't watched that much of Daniel Jones. I, I saw, I think, three games, maybe. And I actually paid more attention to, to Jones because I would bet Duke. Because I also bet Duke and watch. They games. went 8-5, and five, and every time I would check scores, I'm like, Duke's hanging around? Like, Duke, Duke's beating good teams. I have to give credit to Daniel Jones because Duke does not have a good football team. They had no awful offensive line and no talent and they won 8-5 and they beat decent teams. Yeah, but I watched him play against Georgia Tech and he was just fucking, he was chucking ducks and somehow they weren't getting picked off. And not that they weren't being completed either, right. but they weren't getting picked yeah, off even I, though they I mean, again, again, I'm just, from the standpoint of he had nothing around it's kind of like the Josh Allen thing where it, he played at Wyoming. He had nothing around him. It's hard to kind of evaluate things because... Yeah, but the thing is he was playing at a lower level and most of the games he was playing at a lower level he wasn't right. tearing it up. Yeah. But and he was embarrassed the, against higher level. I'm just teams. saying the comparison from the he was the best player on the, on the offense. I he had nothing around him, so that's kind of the same thing with I saw kind of thought with Jones just because again I did a lot of scoreboard watching where I'm like, how are they in this game? It's Duke football, and I was like, Daniel Jones is is make is getting things done. He's doing things with players that aren't very good. Uh, but he wasn't really getting much done. It was a team that was built more on its defense and run game because his passing numbers aren't good, and that's what I'm saying is if you don't have the physical tools you typically have some of the the successes on the field both from a winning perspective and from an analytical perspective yeah and i was shocked by how bad it was i linked in the giants draft recap that i did uh, an article from sb nation that had a breakdown of all the 22 draft eligible quarterbacks yeah he was in the bottom three of the list of 22 quarterbacks in every statistical category except for completion percentage or completion rate of yeah i saw i saw and that, even that he was like 13th out of 22 i saw he's like more of a like he's he's kind of like aj mccarron with his check down he just loves the check down even worse than mccarron um uh, but i think that probably has more to do, do and mccarron so. was drafted properly he was drafted in the fourth or fifth round yeah and i think um 
his offensive line has to deal with it a little bit. Just he's like, I have to get the ball out quick. We'll see if that translates to the NFL. I don't know if it's going to. But there was, like, I mean, I'm not just talking about, like, completion percentage, though. There was success rate, um, which adjusts for down and distance, um, marginal efficiency. He was in the bottom three in all of these things. Adjusted net yard per attempt was dramatically low, even worse than Josh Allen's was last year. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on on how good Daniel Jones is He's the type of guy where if he was drafted, like, the way Andy Dalton was in the early to mid-second round... I, I still wouldn't do it, but at least there's a case for it. And th- and that's kind of where I am. Is like people are acting like this is like egregious pick, which it's it is somewhat egregious. <laughs> but it's not like he's a sixth round talent. People had him in the first round, or you you are probably the biggest Daniel Jones hater. I'm not, I'm not gonna say you're a hater because you don't. Think well, he's I don't know anything good. about the guy. He might right. be the most not wonderful guy, just as a quarterback. Yeah, yes. exactly. You think in a second round is not that crazy of a pick? If, I think it's justifiable, yeah. even though I still wouldn't do it. And that's kind of where I'm at. Is like. The way the the outrage has come, it's like this guy's a seventh round pick. This guy's a seventh. And it's no, just, but he probably should be a fifth round pick. I, I yeah, I'm not going to go. In that, that far. same in that same statistical table, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins were one and two in every single thing except for one of them. And, and in that one, Haskins was number eight. Out and of we talked about it in the last podcast where I said. On the Giants going Haskins at six, which I was right. He was there at six. Yeah. And well, I, of course he was there at six. Well, you said he wasn't <laughs> going to be there at six. That's what the, I'm saying. Oh, Has- sorry, yes. I think he's been jokes. Yes, sorry. no, Haskins was there at 6. And I, if, that was, if I was a Giants, I'd go Haskins at 6, and the best player available at 17. And I said, I think the Giants are going to go Jones. I didn't think it'd be at 6. I thought it'd be at 17. And, I, and, I, to, and to my credit, I said in that, I'm giving Dave Gettleman some credit that he doesn't deserve, and he proved again that he doesn't deserve it. Well, it's just got no Dave Gettleman now. Moving on to uh, other Giants picks, because we did a lot. Yeah, um, we did a lot of Jones, which is what understandable most people are quarterback. doing. Um, I, just to go kind of quickly, I love the Julian Love pick. Me too. Um, um, I love the player, period. I think I understand why he was taken where he was, because he's a decent athlete, but not great. He's decent size, but not huge. Yeah. And he's not an elite press man guy. He's played more zone and off technique. But yeah. I think his fit is in the slot, because... He, when they would go to um, nickel packages in Notre Dame, he would move from the outside to the slot, and they would have the other guys play, whoever was coming in, play on the outside. Yeah. I think he's a very solid player, and that's a really good value to take him. Yeah, and then Big George round seven was my guy. Well, you're a Kentucky guy, yeah, so, so I, saw I don't know anything about him. Um, I let, we talked about it before the draft. That I thought there was going to be seven UK players drafted. There was... There was five. Mm-hmm. He was not one of the guys I thought was going to be drafted. And one of the defensive backs you thought was going to be wasn't, right? Yeah, Darius mm-hmm. West didn't get drafted, but he got signed. I mean, almost every one of them got signed immediately after, which is not uncommon. Um, but I thought I was shocked Darius West did not get drafted. Um, but, you know, Big George, um, crazy name. So, Giants fans should probably... It was like Asafo Ajay. Yeah. Um, our, our, the, Kentucky's offensive line was really good. Yeah. So I thought, well, it had to be. They ran the ball really well. And yeah, Benny Snell was unbelievable. Although they weren't off. a great pass blocking offensive line. Uh, well, their pass blocking is a little bit different because Terry Wilson wasn't a straight drop back. I'm gonna. Throw but it. I just know he was under pressure a lot. Yeah, in the but few games that I saw. Although admittedly, I was watching was, them when they were playing good teams. So. And a lot of that was Terry Wilson's own doing. Just yeah. like oh I, no, he definitely ran into some pressure, but it wasn't all on no, him. No, but. The Kentucky's offensive line was really good. They had a, no, but I did notice that they they, they ran block very yeah, well. Yeah, they had a zone blocking where Benny Snell had holes. They actually had a, a, a mixture of zone and power stuff because I saw some pulling, some wham blocking, yeah. some of the big runs that Snell had. Yeah, and uh, George, I thought, was going to be him or Bunchy. I thought one of the two would get drafted. I thought it would be Bunchy, but George got drafted. I'm happy. I think I think he's going to make the team. He's 
he he can play basically every position. Well, except their, for their line, line is still not their starting line is still not great, and they have zero depth. And so he's a guy he, that can he's got play a chance to make it. Sure, tackle guard never played center, but he he's he has more of a guard size, but played tackle. And I think he left play, or right. He played right tackle. Okay. Um, but I think he could play right guard. Um, I think. Well, they said a right guard and it was Zeitler. True, true. But he can play guard if need be for a depth. You know, he's a guy that can play tackle or guard. We'll, we'll keep him around. So I, and I think he's good enough. Um, so he definitely seems like the guy who should stick at least as a developmental. Maybe he could be a high end backup. Yeah. If not, you know, maybe steal a, the right tackle job. But it's not like they have a great right tackle. Yeah. And then they anyway. signed CJ Conrad right after. So I might be a Giants fan now. <laughs> I might just be a Giants. Guy. Um, going back, it's weird because I really didn't like. They had three first round picks, and I didn't like all three of them. Yeah. Um, which is uh, the unfortunate part of it is. I actually really like Dexter Lawrence, the player. Yeah. I just don't like him at 17th overall. I Like, he should be a full round later because nose tackle just doesn't have, yeah. uh, like, in a, like a, a lot value, of value yeah. anymore. Like, uh, this is, uh, again, like, kind of the problem with Gettleman, not to beat a dead horse, but he he's drafting like it's 1989, not 2019. Um, he, like, he doesn't, I don't think he has a good feel for positional value in the modern NFL. Like, he's drafting a running back second overall, drafting a nose guard in the middle of the first round. Really good player. But they uh, further compounding my issue with it is Dalvin Tomlinson is a good nose guard who they drafted in the middle of the second round, yeah. which was proper value. Um, now, I mean, I guess you could even make a case if they had taken Lawrence at thirtieth overall, whatever. I wouldn't have had any issue with that, honestly, because you're getting that extra fifth year. It's kind of like right. cost effective or whatever. That's not offensive to me if they take him thirtieth. But there's really good players at positions of need, like guys like Montez Sweat are still there at seventeen. Like that they passed Josh Allen. They would. It would have been less offensive if, you know, if they t- they should have probably taken Josh Allen and then Jones at seventeen. If they could take Jones at six and if they got Sweat at seventeen, yeah, that's not the end of the world. Even though I still really don't like the Jones pick, um, but I really liked their middle of their draft. Yeah, no, their middle. If you flip the J- Jets and the Giants, you're like, hey, McCagney, you well, draft that's what the I said first to you, right? three. Uh, McCagney, you draft the first three rounds, and then uh, Gettleman takes four through seven. You have a really good team. Yeah, because they, they, I did like, um, I, I, well, I they drafted 10 guys. Who did they take in like the like the third and fourth? Because there was a couple of guys that I, I liked. They actually. took uh, oh Shane Zimenez. Yeah. I actually like Zimenez. Like, he had honestly had, like, honestly got first round buzz in like November. Yeah. Um, and that fits a big need. They need an edge rusher. He's a solid player in the third round. That's a good pick. Yeah. I thought they had a, a, a good draft from depth standpoint. Oh, and Corey Ballantyne was like, like kind of like people liked him like, uh, he got shot a few yeah. hours after he was yeah, drafted. It sounds like it was kind of a, just like a freak thing, and yeah. it's, unfortunately, it sounds like his best friend died right next to him. That's like a really sad story. Yeah, um, but it, it seems like he's going to be okay. Yeah, ruins the you know the best night of his life becomes the worst night. It's, yeah, that's a tough thing to do. Um, and who else did they have? Scroll up. Um, the Chris Slayton, or, uh, who's whatever. Like Darius Slayton could stick as like a role guy as a receiver. Like he's a big guy. I guess it's kind of untapped potential. The linebacker Connolly, I really don't know anything about honestly. Yeah, I, I, but if I you, just like I hate the linebacker. So anytime you're going to take a shot at a linebacker, go for it. And you can get a Big Ten linebacker. Those guys are just born in like <laughs> sheds in this winter. Oh, the, oh, the Jets took Cashman too, yeah, Minnesota just guy. To, just dra- if my recipe is draft Big Ten like linemen, quarterbacks, and middle linebackers <laughs> in late rounds. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I like those like those picks from like like Zimenez. Um, um, Julian Love, like those couple of picks in the middle, like Darius Slayton, I like that pick in the fifth round. Like, yeah, those are some good solid picks that like those guys can stick on the roster, maybe have a an impact going. Especially like a guy like Zimenez could be a, you know maybe a five or six sack guy right off the bat. Right. Um, and I think he can play the run too, like because he, he's not a super twitchy athlete, but like he's like got a pretty solid build. 
Um, and he's played just played a lot of games because he was playing at a lower level. Um, but um, any other thoughts on the Giants before we do a quick recap of the league? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, I thought both drafts could have been better. I thought, again, we, we talked about the Jets. Beginning. I don't know if I said it at the beginning. Um, I, I think I, I meant to, but I, I might have forgotten. Um, I gave them the Giants overall a C just because I, I feel like they just squandered so much capital. And I would have given Giants. a B minus just because... Uh, I think we have the same thought in their later rounds. Um, and you I, don't hate the Jones I, as much as I do. Yeah, I don't like it, but that's purely from a value, not a talent standpoint. I, I'm not. Gonna, I like. I dislike it for both reasons. Right, and I'm. I'm not going to kill him yet. I think that the hatred for him is so overwhelming that I'm like, this guy can't possibly be as bad as they're saying. The thing is, so it's, it's pretty rare when everyone is unanimous. But I think it was more mob mentality, where it was like people had no idea, never watched him play, and it was like, oh, it seems like. Most people but I'm not just talking about fans. Though. I'm talking about analysts who I do know watched every snap. Yeah, no, I'm talking more from the stand fan standpoint, where it was like it was just a mob. Like this guy, sure, it was a mob. Some of the reaction videos from the Giants fans, were they fun. were funny, but the, the especially that one with the, the kid who just gave himself out. the widgie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we watched that one on the night right yeah. after it happened. The guy who like just, just collapsed. Flaps. And and those are funny, but like most of them are just going off of other people's like if they take Daniel Jones at six, I'm like I'm gonna kill myself basically, and it's just yeah. like. No, that they have never is, seen them. Like they've never seen Daniel Jones. Sure, so. I, I had watched. Well, the thing is, whenever I hear, "Oh, this quarterback is getting some hype as a potential first rounder," I say, "Oh, what's the best opportunity for me to sit down and watch him play?" Um, and I've done that for the last five or six years as often as I can. So I sat down to watch him play. I was like, "Oh, this guy is getting some buzz. Duke's playing well." I sat down and watched the whole game against Georgia Tech, and I was like, "Him?" Yeah. And then I started reading the analysts as they churned through all of his tape, who were like, "Him?" And I was like, "Okay, I'm not crazy yeah. then. I'm not like." Missing something here. No, uh, yeah. I, again, I don't like the the value of the pick. I would definitely not have done it, but I'm not going to kill him for the player. If, he, if people are saying like, you know, maybe late first round, early second round, he's a player, so I'm not going to kill him on that. TBD on that. I'm going to kill him for the value of what he got. Sure. Um, I think that should be unquestionably yeah. like a unanimous yeah. opinion on that. Um, just quickly going around the league, uh, I hate that I really liked the Bills and Dolphins drafts. Yeah. The Bills got Ed Oliver early on. They added some other contributors throughout the draft. They added a tight end that I liked. Was it Dawson Knox, I think? Yes. I um, think it was I Dawson really Knox. liked Knox. I thought he was going to be there for us in a position. Like, I think we, we could have gotten him at one point, and we just passed on him and pissed me off a little bit. Yeah. Um, there always seems like to be those guys where, like, it's pretty unanimous with the fan base. Like, this guy's going to follow us, this guy's going to follow us. And it gets to him, and we never take him. And he's always Oh, the picked, Jets do that to me all the time. And he's picked, like, three picks behind us. Yeah. Every single time. I, I can't like name someone that I just feel that have that feeling where it seems like someone's locked in the fourth round, like, oh, he's gonna follow us and then they never take him. Or guy who gets picked one or two picks before mm. and I'm like, that's the guy I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Um it seems like the Saints always do it to us because they drafted both Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, who I was patting the table for in consecutive years, I mm. think. Um that drove me nuts. Uh, <laughs> um and the Dolphins too. I like them moving back, moving back getting Rosen for a late second round pick. I think that's a good, very low risk acquisition. If he's great, then it's found money. If he's not, they didn't give up much. And, you know, end of the second round, sure, you'd like a contributor there, but they spun it off and got a 2020 second round pick in part of the deal. Um, and they don't have to pay any of the guaranteed money. Arizona had to pay all of it. So they're right. paying him yeah. like basically the league minimum to be, at worst, a high end backup. And at best, they could have found their quarterback right. in the future. They're still positioned if they need to. To, they have additional capital to draft a quarterback high next year if Rosen isn't the guy or if he just is Je that much like Jeff George where like everyone can't stand him. Yeah. They, I like um, 
Christian Wilkins, I was a little surprised that they went with him in the first round. Yeah. But he's a good player. He's a good fit for what they, they want and need. Well, yeah. The, well, going back to Rosen, that, like, that's what I would have done. If I'm a team that was looking at a quarterback, second, you know, a later round, not a later round, but, you know, a pretty unvaluable tr- draft pick. It was, and it seemed like, honestly, like, from what we heard right at the start of the draft, the Cardinals fucked up. Steve Kime was not taking calls on him. Yeah. Until after they draft Murray, which is like completely losing all leverage. Yeah. They wanted to get a first round pick, which not they were never going to get. Yeah, and they, I mean, they might have been able to if they played it. Like it, it just was over right before it started because it just the Kyler Murray hype just blew up right in the beginning. If they kind of played it coy with that, they might have been able to sneak something more valuable out. But they just misplayed it from the beginning. I would have gone for Rosen just because I do think. Um, he still can be good. I know he was your guy last year. And ultimately, second worst case scenario because the only thing that could have been worse is the Patriots getting him. I yeah. don't like the Dolphins getting him. Right. Either. And I yeah, I knew you were a, you were a big fan of I him. I was. You wanted him to be a Jet, and um, I, it sucks that he's in the division. I I, I wasn't on high as on as high on him as you were, but I still think he's gonna be really really good. Yeah. And it's funny that now that AFC East has all three all of three of those guys. It'd be funny if um, you know once Brady leaves. If um, who's the other four, the fourth one? Mayfield. Yeah, if Mayfield somehow ends up as a Patriot, <laughs> it's just like, no, it does seem like he's like he's, they're all he's definitely him, like, going to be in the Browns, but just if all four of them are in the same division, just um, playing every week. Unfortunately, <laughs> I like the Patriots draft as well. Yeah, they had a uh, good I love Chase Winovich, and they ended up getting him in the fourth round. Yeah, we passed on him with both our third round pick, which I'm okay with them drafting Polite because I do think he's a better player. Although I think. Winovich is a much safer player. He doesn't that's, have and that's the exactly my point was concerns. But honestly, even though we already addressed it, like Jordan Jenkins is a fine player. Yeah. You can have a three man rotation with Jordan Jenkins, Ja'Kai Polite, and Chase Winovich. I would have taken him over Adoga in that pick. He yeah. was there. Yeah. I would have taken both of those fucking guys. Yeah. Because it's not like our pass rush is saved and solved now. No. It's better than it was, but right. it's still probably middle of the road. Yeah. Um I, uh the only other Really, dr- I didn't. And they added a couple of like Yanni could just went way later. Yeah, and I, I and, saw and they s- always fix Dante Skrnecki is a fucking god of an offensive. And coach. I saw people saying they wanted him to be a Jet too. Um, but he ended up going higher than like he was at the end of the second round or no? I or think it was third. I think it was after. It was between. I think it was between our picks of Polite and Nadoga. Was it? I think, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And there was someone else that they they drafted. Oh, Nikhil Harry at the end of the first round is yeah a huge get. He's perfect for Brady because he's an elite root runner. Um, he's got a great catch radius. The only thing he is is he's not super athletic from a speed quickness standpoint, although right. I think he has good short area quickness, and he can jump a fucking mile high. Yeah. Um, I actually liked the Cardinals draft overall, even though I don't think they maximized what they could have gotten from Rosen, but adding Kyler is a huge fit for them. They kind of ignored the offensive line a bit, but they added Andy Isabella, and they added... Um, Hakeem Butler much later than people yeah, expected. That, yeah, that was a name they I saw. Finally, they, they've been so bereft of receiving talent outside of Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. who is you know, very much approaching the end. I think he's still a solid player. But yeah. those, if, if they get Christian Kirk back fully healthy, that could actually be a strength, the right. receiving core now. Yeah. Uh, Kajus, just to go back, was picked 101. Oh, so it was early in the fourth then. Yeah. It's cause I, oh, I, so it was right after where we would have been picking in the fourth, but we traded down. And... It, and that was the pick that people wanted. That was the tackle. I would have yeah, been fine there. And people were, I saw people were pretty upset that he was there for us in the third and yeah. we didn't take him. And he went to the Patriots, which kind of seems very on point. The one thing is I did see some people mocking Adoga to us earlier before the draft, so it wasn't that much of a surprise. No, it wasn't. Him. Um, but I, I, the only other, I don't want to go too deep you know, into other teams' drafts. The only other one that I liked, I didn't watch the entire draft because I was doing other things, but 
was just the first two pick of the Jaguars, which we talked about was yeah they got two Taylor top ten players because Taylor Allen. fell with some medical and, and issues. That was the was like they could not have drawn that up any better. Yeah. So that was the only thing that stood out to me was like, well, they got the guy everybody thought they were getting at seven, and the guy everybody thought was going at four. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the two rounds, they got. I like the Eagles. Uh, at least early in the draft, I kind of forgot who they got later on, but um, trading up ahead of the Texans, who everyone knew wanted Andre Dillard, got Andre Dillard. Again, I'm going to trust him when it comes to acquiring offensive linemen. He probably won't start this year, but he'll right. we'll take over for um, Peters, Jason Peters, next year. Um, and Miles Sanders in the second round. I was a big Miles Sanders fan this year. Yep. If he was a guy who if we didn't sign Le'Veon, I would have wanted the Jets to go and get um, but obviously with them getting anything, they needed to shift to other priorities. Right. Um, but I think Miles Sanders is going to be really good. Um, and conversely, I hated the Texans draft because Titus Howard was a huge reach. Yeah. Because they got jumped by the Eagles. Right. And then I didn't like the guys that they took later. I'm not a big Lonnie Johnson fan. There's a couple other guys that they took them like, I just don't get it. Um, but that's probably it for the draft talk for now. We yep. might have little bits here and there elsewhere in the future. Um, I want to go to the Islanders briefly. Okay. I know that you said that you didn't. Uh, um, yes, they both the games were while I was traveling. I did watch the re like the replays of theirs. Uh, YouTube has done a great job of doing replays with extended highlights. It's just not the goals, but like just you know action packed parts. So probably a ten minute replay of both games. Okay. So, I know you had uh, yeah, a bone really to just, pick. Yeah, I do. I think that the officiating has been horrendous in this series. Did you see the two goals that they waved off? Uh, yes. The first one was bad, but I will say that's been an NHL problem for years. Yeah. Well, the other one was also been an NHL problem for the years. The kicking? Distinct kicking motion? That was a kicking motion. It hit his heel as he was skating by at full speed. I knew you were going to bring this up. 100% kicking motion. Dumb rule. We'll go to the go to the grave. On I that. agree with you. I, if you, you can you, score, you should be you able to score. fuck the puck into the, the net for all I care. Like <laughs> the only, basically the only way you can't score is throwing it into the net. That's the only way. And kicking. No, but I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't want to catch it and throw. That's the but only if, way. If you backhanded it and no, out of the air, I wouldn't have an issue. I, with that, that's the only thing you can't use your hand. That's the only thing I would say. Like high sticking is the only Andrew thing I think Shaw, should be off. Andrew Shaw scored in the playoffs with his head. Yeah. Two, three years ago. Should be allowed. Should be allowed. Agreed. The rule is what the rule is. It was a kick. I I don't agree. Barry Trotz said it was a kick. Did he? Yeah. I, I missed that because I turned it off Barry in frustration Trotz, after we after lost. After the game said, yeah, I saw the replay. It's a kick. And then... then I saw his heel move, but it looked like it was because the puck hit it. No, he, he kicked it. He And he even said after the game, I tried to kick it to my stick. I didn't get to my stick. I kicked it in. I didn't right. know that was a rule. So it was... That was the correct call. It's the rule. It's, it's a, a dumb horrendous rule. rule. It's a dumb rule. But one, and they've had plenty of opportunities to change. I'm it. not going to call, kill the officials for that one because that it was a kick. It was 100 percent a kick. It's just a dumb rule. It's what it is. The biggest thing I don't like is that neither of them were they were waved off before they could have gone to review. If they'd gone to review and you you review them and overturn it, like if, for instance that one, if they rule it a goal and then they review it and say just in kicking motion, you can kind of live with it. And even more so the other one because it was blatantly obvious there was contact. They should have called called it a goal and let it go to review because if you review that, that gets overturned. Uh, well, Trotz had the opportunity to challenge it. He didn't. Uh, no, I thought they couldn't, they couldn't. No, he could. He just didn't want to risk it for a power play. Really? And, yeah. Because I, I thought, it, what I, I thought I remember hearing on the broadcast was that it wasn't That reviewed. broadcast has been bad. I list, I mean, I watched it. It hasn't been great. It, it was bad. I didn't watch it, but I watched the replay, and they were like, I was listening to it, I was like, this guy's just wrong. Like, he's not, and I just, and the guy basically contradicted himself like three times, where he's like, it's not a kicking motion, but he kicked it in. I was like, you literally just contradicted yourself twice. 
Um, but the, the point is that those these two things being waved off have directly affected the first one was a bad call. Uh, they, they directed have, the impact of they directly impacted the outcomes. Of and the I've said it before, like these random things can influence in series huge, like just huge. And as a Rangers fan, I get it because we had a goalie interference that they didn't call, and they knew they messed up. And then the year, next year later, they said you can challenge it because of what happened in the Stanley Cup. So imagine what you're feeling, but in the Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> in Game One, where Henrik got sat on, and they said no, that's allowed, and we're like, oh, now they changed the rule after we that ended. So I get it. They have had, I think, three or four horrible goalie interference where they didn't call and should have, or uh, didn't, or called it and shouldn't have. And it's just like, guys, come on, get it right. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure Trotz had the opportunity and said, I, I was going to challenge it, but I wasn't sure they're going to overturn it, and I didn't want to go on the PK. Yeah. So that one, I get why your people are upset. The kicking motion, dumb rule, but it was a kick. I just wanted to, I just want them to let those things to, like, because there's no way you see that in like. Full speed. Well, I'm not going to kill him for the kick because he got it right. Like, if he egregiously got it wrong, there's like, why didn't you review that? Like, but I just, thought, right. I just thought that it was weird that both were waved off. That I thought they should have gone to the review process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's fine. but That's that's my biggest issue with them. Because if you say that that's the rule and that that fits and it should be overturned, I'm okay with it. But I just feel like it should go through the process. Yeah. It's weird that they waved both of them off because then, then they're not reviewable. Yeah. Although it seems like there's some question about whether the interference one was. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so... But the, th- the point is that one still should be forced to go... To review. I mean, if that's your argument, that's fine. But this, from the, the actual call standpoint, the first one you're gonna get upset, and I get it. But like, that's just the NHL these days. Like, you just if you get if you hit a goaltender, it doesn't matter if you're pushed into it; they're gonna call it, and it's just a dumb thing. And the other one was a kick. It, it, I don't know how else to say it. it was. Trots after I know Trots was pissed off during it, but he said I said after the game like, yeah, he tried to kick it into the front of the net, and it went in, and it's just a kick. Anyway, that's that's about all I have to say on the on the subject. Well, I just, I just what the, found it's been a frustrating series to watch so far. I'm sure. Um, going forward, I still think the honors are going to spot Mrazek out. That's a huge. That is also. I'm a little huge. pissed that they they couldn't get after him. They still had opportunity to get after McElhenney. And like, that's coming in cold you, like that. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, it, yeah, it sucks that you've had goals overturned. One of them was correct. And it's been very obvious that the Barclays ice has affected both teams. Yeah. Which is, it's just, it's, it's just been same. a frustrating series to watch. Yeah. And it, uh, I, not, not, not just because they're down two enough. I mean, obviously I'm frustrated by that, but just the other things going on. I know we talked about the randomness thing and you are largely right. Although it seems odd that just the specific way that those were called that frustrated me both going against the Islanders. Like if it was one and one, then you don't really have like a leg to stand on. Well, the one, I mean? I'm not going to say the other one. I'm giving you, I'll give you the one. The kick was a kick. I, I will go to the It just feels like it's like one thing on top of the other. Even yeah. though it's right, it feels like... Well, you... Like, basically the point is, you you got it wrong last time. What I'm saying is give the benefit of the doubt and go to review, even if you ultimately overturn the thing. You know what I'm saying? If that's what... Yeah, if that's... The, it's just been frustratingly I, efficient. It sounded like you were upset with the with it being called... I was, but it's, based on what you're saying, I didn't yeah, hear trots, the trust thing because I just turned it off because and, I was so upset. And Devin Taves did have a funny line where he's like, I tried to kick it to my, my stick. I didn't know that was like... I didn't know I couldn't kick it in anyway. Like, you didn't know that you were like... It is, and it is one of the worst rules in this I, I agree that you... It's hard enough to score. You might as well let me do it with whatever part I want. Well, and they keep saying they want offense to go up. Yeah. That's a great way to get offense going up. Yeah. That and, and the stupid thing with the trapezoid in the back. Like but that. to get past that, I still think they're in a good spot. Uh, oh, I still think they can win the series. I hate that they lost two games at home, though. Morazic out is, like, as a Ranger and fan. And Svechikov's still not back. And, and Furland's like, still... You guys are given a really good opportunity here. Like, teams are would be praying for this. Where and Van Riemsdyk got knocked out in the yes, game, too. I don't like know they if he'll be back. injuries. Their goaltender, who is stealing games, is out. Um, they don't really have anybody to score. Like, 
there are so many chances for the Islanders to advance here. Um, no, I, I still think they can be in it. There's no... There's no I way. mean, it's it, game three is huge. They have to well, win. Well, you can't three. lose. You can't lose. Yeah, I mean, I don't like throwing out the must win when it's not necessarily a must. This is, this is close to a must win. That's not clinching as can be. Yes. And um, I still think they're they're in it. Um, I People are kind of counting them out, which I get. No, I'm not counting them out, but I definitely don't feel good. Like, yeah. after game one, I'm like, eh, it sucked. The, game, the ice was shitty. That's a really bad call. But if you win game two, it doesn't really matter. This game, if these series is at... at the Coliseum, I don't think they lose those two games. Probably not. I, well, I, they definitely don't lose both. I saw people saying, like, it's just not even close to this thing. The thing is, I thought a lot not of... Not even the ice, but the, the atmosphere. But the thing is, the, like, the... Well, it's been loud, but I not, heard someone not say non-stop like, loud. Like, yeah, that's why... That there's times where, like, you can hear a pin drop. Yes. Uh, but when the when things are going, and they've had opportunities. They've and had a couple of really good opportunities, and it gets loud. And I've had this... And they to, haven't capitalized. This, this to talk with you before is that, like... That's what makes the Coliseum different. Sure. It's because every it's much easier to get a consistent atmosphere. When you're in an NHL arena, it's just another arena where it's hard to get everybody at the, on the same page and chanting it. Once momentum starts going, any NHL arena in the playoffs is going to get going. For the longest time, I haven't thought much about the Barclays ice. I thought a lot of it's been overblown. It's been noticeably, objectively noticeably yeah. bad. And, uh, and that affects both teams. Yeah. But it also it introduces even more random variants, yeah. which is an issue. Yeah. Um, but that's enough on that topic for now. We'll hopefully not be recapping the series the next time you hear from us. But you know, there's still it's two yeah. Next time we yeah, well, there'll be two or three games played. So yeah, um, although they have a weird break, they don't play until Wednesday. Oh, they don't play tomorrow. There's a three day break. Oh, that's weird. Yes. All right. um, but do you want to do Mets or Yankees now? We're gonna do two quick. Mets uh, Yankees I now. really don't have. We can do Mets because I just really don't have that much. Uh, they're thirteen and thirteen. They're playing right now. Okay. Um, but we're watching them. They're, they're tied. Four four. Um, the the thing is, is that the, the strong point of the team that everybody thought was going to be what it was, like make the team good, was starting pitching. Starting p- pitching has been abysmal. The offense is carrying the team. We're thirteen and thirteen yeah, they've, they've because the offense. Well. And I thought before the season, we have, this is a good lineup. If our starting pitching is what it can be, this is going to be a really good team. Also, big contributions from Zach Wheeler, the hitter. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's raking. Yeah, all, all our pitchers can hit. I'm just surprised that they all are hitting. Yeah, but they've all had, you know, uh, Noah has like five career home runs. Yeah. Wheeler's got a couple. Um, DeGrom's got a couple, right? three or four. So they they've all can hit. Um, they're all athletes playing. They weren't all pitchers just growing up. Um, but just, I don't I don't understand how DeGrom can be this off and Noah can be this off. Matt's has been the best pitcher, which I said before the season. I thought Matt's was going to be having a, a decent year. He's been the best pitcher. Um, hopefully that continues. Uh, not that he's the best pitcher, but he continues with what he's doing. Um, it, I, I don't know if I should be concerned or not, just with this, the pitching has gone, because there are so many elite starters in Major League Baseball this year that are struggling. Yes. Like, yeah, uh, a we, lot we, of them. We mentioned that, was it last week or two weeks ago, that the, the, the league-wide ERA was going to run higher than it yeah, was last but year? but not even, like, just, like, bottom of the rotation. Like, Kluber. No, but that, well, that clearly affects everyone. Yeah, Although, but, Kluber, there's been... Signs of regression the last couple of years. The age and injury is clearly catching up to him. But yeah, he's got because like he struggled last year and he was injured at the end of the year the year before. Yeah, Kluber, Sale, Carrasco, Bumgarner. Well, I still don't think Sale's healthy. Scherzer, uh, like all these guys. Severino's like, not pitched yet. Yeah, like, like all these guys have had like five plus ERA, four plus ERAs, and it's just like, what is happening? So I'm not gonna get too concerned just because I see what other starters are doing. No, but this is the time you want to bank some this wins. Is what, and. The offense is carrying us right now. I mean, we were down 4 nothing in this game, and it's 4-4. The offense just keeps chipping away, which is all you can ask for. Edwin Diaz has been 
That wasn't the Robinson Cano trade. That was the Edwin Diaz trade. And, he, and he's been he super unlucky, too. Lights out. No, sorry. I was talking about Cano. Oh, no. Super unlucky. He got hit by pitch again yesterday. I mean, that, that's like, just Mets. We lead the league and hit by pitches. Well, but he was dinged earlier a few weeks ago, too. It was a hamstring. He got hit, no, he got hit. He's been hit like three uh, times on the hand. I don't know. He might have been had a hamstring, too, but he's been hit at least two, twice this year. I know he, he missed hurt. a bunch of time because I had him on my fantasy he team. He got hurt because he got hit. Um, well, which, I know that was what happened the other day, yeah, two days ago. So, um, the injury bug hasn't got us too bad, which it should have because we get hit in the hand almost every game. <laughs> Literally every game. Well, we watched someone get hit in the shin, too, yeah. although it, was, it hit square on the pad, so yeah. he was clean and yeah, And it's Nimmo where he just sprints regardless. Uh, no, but you could see it bounced and he like didn't even like stumble. Like, yeah. It was like it was... The luckiest hit of all time. Yeah. It's like, oh, it hit exactly where I needed it to. It was a breaking ball in the dirt, yeah. Um, well, but sometimes you get that spike curve that goes right off the big toe and like, yeah. you break a toe or yeah. something yeah. like Somehow that. Somehow the Mets have gotten away because they've been hit almost every game high. You guys have game. fucking cursed us. We have all of your yeah, injuries this year. and I, I really don't have too much else on the Mets. This, just the Grom and Noah have to be better. Matt can continue doing what he's doing because he's, he's pitched well. Uh, Wheeler has been a little bit inconsistent, but that's kind of who Wheeler is. He's either lights out or kind of five run or five innings, four runs. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of who Wheeler is. And Vargas, I, no, I'm not even gonna kill Vargas. I'm not. <laughs> no, because you're I'm, laughing. No, I'm laughing because every time I hear the name Vargas, I think of me just putting bad. Yeah, for his projection. He hasn't been that bad. I know he's been and mediocre. And I was bad. the only person. I was watching the game where he got bounced in like a... He had a moment in his career where he was like six months he was the best pitcher in baseball and like that's it. Yeah. No, he's he's <laughs> definitely not good. But there was... After that in, that outing where he had... I think he went... He either went zero outs or he ain't got one out. And he had four runs. And people were like, Vargas has got to go, which I agree with. But I wasn't killing him for his outing. He had a couple errors and he had like four calls that should have been called strikes. Three-two count, pain in the corner, they call ball. Mm-hmm. And I, it was kind of like... He just he just got really unlucky. He's just he's not that good, but he just got really unlucky. And he's come back two straight outings where they don't trust him to go very far, but two times for the well, lineup. Well, it's been proven that if you, with him because especially as his velocity is starting yeah, to decline. Yeah, he's eighty-seven. Third time through, he's going to get and lit up. And I'm hey, if we're, our fifth pitcher has to go four innings and one run, you know what, Vargas, I'll take that out of Vargas. Yeah, especially if it's just one guy who's doing and it. And it's, it's just him because that's what the Yankees are doing with CC. If they, they just want to get five innings from him every game. Yeah, so I'm not, again. I don't want Vargas on this team, but it's kind of like the Daniel Jones thing. It's yeah. like this mob mentality where Vargas gives up a run. It's like, gotta get up off the team. There's a lot of tape on Vargas being bad. Though. Yes, agree. but I'm <laughs> like years to, and years of him. Being I, bad. I am the fan that says it's okay to compliment a player if he pitches well. It's like, oh sure, but but just Vargas, not, just don't expect he's turning a corner. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying he is. I don't I'm mean saying, you. Yeah, but I I think if Vargas goes, you know, five innings, throws a run, it's okay to say. Hey, Vargas, like, good job, buddy. Oh, yeah, no, I have no but issue with pe- that. It, but people don't want to do that. Well, okay. And it's, if you have, I get it, people have, there's there's people on like that on every team where there's just one guy. Like, I'll, I'll admit, in recent times that I've been giving many backhanded compliments to Gary Sanchez. Like, he had a great yeah, slam exactly. the other day. There's I was like, always that, oh, maybe he's turning the corner. It's, it's always, there's always one guy on a team where it's just like, you know, we're going to take all our hate on this guy. And I just think Jason Vargas looks like a def- like a wet puppy. Like, every time he goes to that game, his hair's all, like, matted he just looks depressed i'm gonna give vargas hey you know what buddy you're not doing that bad exceeds expectations he's exceeding expectations that's all still I bad but still bad but i'm not gonna kill you one final thing on the mess before we move on um i i was just surprised i didn't realize where it's at i have i'm trying to keep up with what's going on with them but i don't know every single detail all the time i was surprised that they dfa darn yeah i wasn't i don't know you mentioned that before i'm not surprised he's it's just, i guess it's just from the lofty think, status where he was the crown jewel of the dickie trade 
for him to fall into this point. But that it, was like it's that more, was I, so many years. Like to me, Darno has become like Darno is not thought of like a high commodity. He hasn't. He's been on the team for like seven years. I don't think it's been that long. It's it's been what five or five maybe six years. Has it been seven? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up right now. But Darno I don't think it was seven. Has been he's been hurt almost every single year. He played. I think he played like five games last year. Um, I guess it just it, it made me take stock. This of, is his seventh year. This is his seventh. He's thirty. Year. He's thirty years old. He's been on the team since twenty thirteen. It just made me take stock and realize how long it's been that the, the fall has gone this far. It, like it just didn't seem like it's been that but long. It, yeah, it just it's not really been a talent thing though. It's just like no, I know. can't stay healthy. Oh, it, listen, this isn't me knocking them. I get them doing it. I yeah, just, I'm I just, it was just sh- a shock to that's me the, not being that's up the on the part them. where I'm, I'm like, it's not really a surprise. I guess it's from you from the because outside I'm, standpoint. I'm an outside like Darno is kind of a name, but. He's, he's, he played four games last year. Well, he was year. a fan favorite because yeah. everyone was excited for him. That's what's that's where it's a surprise to me. Yeah. Not, like I said, it's not a surprise that it happened. It just was like, oh, shit, we're at that point of the of, yeah. of the timeline now. I think if you, yeah, uh, from the outside, I kind of get it because it's because his name. But I, I think you ask any Met fan, they're like, yeah, it's a, it's it's long overdue. Yeah. Like, he should have been off the team. Okay. He played four games It's just, year. I, I really was just wanted to mark. It's just a shame that it went. It is a shame. He had that... Really, he made his his name during the the playoff run, the World mm-hmm. Series, where he had some big hits, and I was where he was like, you know, this guy has got a lot of talent. He just can't stay healthy, and that's really what it's been. Yeah. And it was the Darno trade. I know Syndergaard was a big part of it, but it was considered. But he was the one B. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was Darno is going to be a really good catcher, and Syndergaard. It's clearly been the Syndergaard trade with Darno as the extra piece. And I I will always you know have a fond spot for Darno. My my. Uh, my memory of him, just because he's had some big hits, but it's past. It's yeah. way past him now. No, that, that's fine. I just, it's. I just thought it was worth marking. He's it batting was... 087 this year. <laughs> it's just a shame how it turned out. You never like to see a guy with that sort of talent and potential. Well, there you go. Someone on the other team finally got hit. Hey, we hit somebody else. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, I just thought it was a shame. I thought it was worth marking the end of that era. Yeah. Um, we'll do a very quick Yankees thing. I think. Um, just. I honestly don't understand how the team has somehow improved its record. It's the grit, baby. It is honestly the grit. They're stealing bases. They're running. There's been some hit and runs. They had, I think, a pitcher come in and do something. They had a pitcher come in and pinch run or something because they, like, the, the guys are still getting hurt. The backups and the backups to the backups yesterday, LeMahieu and Urshela both got knocked out of the game in the same inning, I think, although they didn't. Um, I don't think either injury is particularly serious, but, like, what happened? That was just uh, the replay of the hit by pitch came up, and this guy looked like he got shot by a cannon. <laughs> he got hit by the ball and looked like he he jumped four feet out of the way. That was just. Jeez, well, he's a little guy. An excellent podcast I'm not right even there. Sure who as that we is. describe someone getting hit by a pitch. Play by play of someone getting hit yeah. by a pitch. Look the, out, the day before you're listening. Look so out, Michael K. Okay. I'm on my way. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just think it's incredible that what they're going through is a is kind of a miracle, honestly, with the Yankees right now because they've been doing it through pitching and hitting. When before they couldn't get either of them at, at the same time, they're yeah. now getting both largely. Although the bullpen has still been shaky, but um, remember you were—I think it was last week when we were talking—you were shocked again still by the, the, my take on Paxton. And Ow. since then, 
he had two incredible starts. I wasn't shocked. I I, we, I had him as a really good year. I just didn't no, think but you said the numbers that you seven. put was was Cy Young type numbers, and I said that's the yeah, type of player had, I, I think, think he can be. Yeah, you. I think you had him like seventeen and seven two. The record is whatever wins yeah. is an overrated. Yeah, stat. agreed. But the the ERA and two. Yeah, I think you had two point eight six. I think I had three point like two yeah. or something. Yeah, you had almost a half run. Yeah. more than well, what yeah. I had. Again, I'm, he's a Kentucky guy. You're gonna if you're, you're a Kentucky guy, I'm gonna root for you. Well, so. just, I just remember when we talked about it, he had two. Starts after yes, that, he had, and he had give up zero runs across yes. like thirteen innings with twenty four strikeouts or right. something like that. And I meant to text you at that time, and I forgot to. I was like, "Did you see him pitch?" Because this is the guy I was thinking about when I put those sorts of numbers down. Yeah, He's, I think he pitches again tomorrow. They're off today. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Paxton's been great. Tanaka's done well in the, in the stretch. Hap finally got his shit straightened out, which is what they've needed. Herman has largely been really excellent. Yeah, in a, I mean, he's got. All sorts of pitching talent. Just his consistency and control seems to be hit or miss. Um, but since the last time we had spoken, uh, Frazier went on the IL after having been red hot. He was basically carrying the lineup on his back. Um, Sanchez is finally back. Voigt has been incredible, like way exceeding my expectations. Yeah, yeah, he's had an unreal start. I just think it's it's really incredible that somehow, even with further and further injuries where they should be on the ropes, they've actually been improving through weirdly the immeasurable thing called grit yeah uh, <laughs> I, if i'm a yankee fan i don't want people to come back we're just gonna play we're just gonna play this <laughs> rough and tough you know gritty baseball no nah, we love aaron judge back <laughs> he okay he can come back the rest can stay on the deal yeah i uh, will see it, it seems like it seems like Andujar might be back sometime this week or next which seems improbable because i thought we lost him for the whole season at the time they announced it um and i think stanton's getting close as well yeah. Um, but everyone else, I, I don't know how long it'll be. It's it's still concerning. They're still hanging on by a thread. They're the fucking acquire Cameron Mabin of all people, who has actually had a couple of RBIs. Like he, yeah. you, you know, he's always going to be a competent defender. Right. Yeah. He's he, there's like nine of them on the Mets. That's yeah. Like, he's just a, he he should be a Met basically. He's Keon Broxton and Juan Lagares. Was was Mabin a Met at one point? No. Or who uh, am I thinking of? Uh, I don't know who you're thinking of, Cameron. There's someone. Can't. Are you thinking of Mike Cameron? <laughs> might, have, might have been thinking of Mike Cameron, actually, honestly. As a legend. I don't know why Cameron maybe this stuck for a second. It probably was because it was Mike Cameron. Yeah, Mike Cameron, back in the day. Shout out. Who else did Mike Cameron play for? Uh, the Mariners. That's why, because both of them, I think, played for the Mariners at one point, and they both named Cameron. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> that was why I was thinking of seven it. Seven degrees of separation. Basically. Um, but yeah, that's about all I had. It's just truly shocking. It's They're kind of fun to watch, because they're now, against all odds, and you know, not that anyone should or would ever feel bad for the Yankees, but... No. Truly, they are a scrappy little team right now. That's true. <laughs> they won't be for the rest of the season, ideally. Right. But um, right now, they're like if if you just change their name to the Rays, you'd be like, oh, this is a fun team to watch. Yeah. No. I. I. I as a Yankee fan, you're probably. Um. I. I won't say you're probably more into the team, but no. just having like this. The games have been more fun because I have such low expectations. Exactly. Kind of night of, basis. That's kind of what it is. I'm talking. Yeah. Just kind of. You know what? This team is a fun bunch. They're. It's. You know, the name on the front, not the name on the back, type of thing. Where. Yeah. Uh, even though you don't, don't have, have names, names on the, on the back. back, but um, just um, you know, just them playing baseball, not you know, not stars, basically, just yeah. playing. Well, the win, not just. It also helps this week. They played the the Giants and the Angels, who were both pretty bad. True. Um, but um. Yeah, anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Spin Tune Sports Show. You can reach us on Twitter, at Spin Tune Sports, and at The Spin Tune. You can find me and Schaefer as well, at Alessandra B 1187 and at Schaefer. 
See you next week. Now you can you can uh, you can name me Dolores Ed. I'm changing my name to Dolores Ed. Okay, I will remember to call you Dolores Ed next week. <laughs> Bye. But.